Welcome to the Beer EDU podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Kyle, my friend, how are you? I am doing great. How are you, Ben? I am good. It is, uh, it's uh, right now, we're recording this, it is the, the end of summer. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of, no, I guess. Well, I mean, it's it's the end of summer for people who work in education. Let me yes, there, there we go. Yeah, just for clarification purposes here. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's not the end end of summer. But. Yeah, because as you're saying that, it's 112 degrees, so <laughs> it is still very much summer where I'm at. But you're yeah, but we can't we can't go by summer based on the temperature of where you live because it could be 97 in December where you are. So you are very, very correct about that. One of my favorite things about the Las Vegas Valley is how I can wear short sleeves and shorts while frying uh, turkeys on Thanksgiving. Usually I, I am so, I'm not jealous that right now it's a hot as it is, but I am jealous in, in November, December when you wear, you can wear shorts. I mean, I do wear shorts, but it is probably 40 degrees here. Right. So, um, but yeah, so we're, we're kind of, we're both wrapping up our summers. We're, we're getting ready for, uh, the new adventure that is uh, teaching in the co- era of COVID. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be going full on virtual in my district. And then yep. we were talking before we hit the old record yeah. button here that you're going back face to face. I am. I We will be going back uh, in elementary school face to face. If families choose, families can still uh, also opt for distance learning. It really just, we're, we're kind of offering uh, a a variety of things just because um, we kind of know families, families have different needs and different concerns. So yeah, I mean, that's, I'm planning on being there and I'm planning, my staff's planning on being there and, but it's definitely going to look way different. Yeah. Than it it's, before. Uh, <laughs> with the, the distancing and I know six feet is what people normally say yeah. for social distancing, but it sounds like our governor here in Nevada has lowered that to three for elementary schools. So yeah, yeah, it's, so uh, definitely going to be different. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, but I, and, and, and it's, uh, I've made no, uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I, I've talked about this and, and I'm excited because I think this is a, a chance for uh, us in education to really, I guess, put our, put our money where our mouth is about changing education and trying new things. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that this is going to be a, 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 it's going to be an amazing year and it will definitely be an unforgettable year for everyone. For sure. And just to kind of piggyback that trying new things and whatnot, I learned that I am going to be co-teaching, not social studies, like I have done the last few years, um, not even English, which is relatively similar. I'm going to be co-teaching algebra this year. Whoa, breaking news. Breaking news. Yes. So I was notified that and I talked to my supervisor and I said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not here to try to ask you to put me somewhere else, but I, I want to hear your justification behind right. the why. And she explained to me that she wants the kids that are going to be on my caseload, which I'm going to have all freshmen. So oh, okay. what they're planning to do is a model where you have the same group of kids for your caseload for all four years of high school, oh, wow. rather than having kids from all over the grade levels. Nice. And with freshmen, math classes is where they're going to be at. So yeah. I'm going to be co-teaching in an algebra class. And I've already met with my co-teacher and where I've told her I have not taken a math class in 20 years, let alone <laughs> taught it. 
So, and we, we both come to the agreement that, especially in the beginning, that she's the content expert and I'm right. the motivator. And right. I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. I, I was apprehensive at first, but once I learned the reasoning behind why, I, I'm really excited about it. So I, That actually, I, I mean, I, as, as someone who has had to take college math more than once, more than twice, um, math was not my, it was not my gift. Um, but uh, I am super excited that you get the chance to get a, to work with a group of kids and take them all the way through their, their high school experience. Yeah, that's the that's, most exciting part about yeah. it because the last couple of years, I, I had students that started out with me as freshmen and right. I got to work with some students for the last two years and right. I had freshmen this past year that I would have gone on with, but now I'm no longer at that school. Right. But yeah, this is one where if those if those kids stay at that school, I'm going to be able to see them from fresh-faced, mm-hmm. you know, 14, 15-year-olds all the way through graduation. And that, and that to me is really exciting. That. I think that's super cool. That's, that's, that's definitely going to help you. You're going to, you always do build strong relationships with kids, but I just can't, I can't imagine that, that, that depth that you're going to be able to to get and help those kids that, you know, have some academic, uh, you know, needs different than maybe other kids. So sure. So now speaking of building relationships, this episode's a little bit different from what we normally do, Ben. Yeah, it is. It is. And if people listen to the podcast, know we usually have a, I guess a formula we, we introduce, we talk about beers, we have a guest that we do a learn about. And this episode is not like that. This is uh, we're titling this a very special episode. Um, and uh, we, we um, had the opportunity to sit down with two gentlemen who have a, another podcast um, out there. And we kind of just had a chat and, and really it's a, it's just a conversation, I guess, between the four of us. I mean, wouldn't you say? That's Yeah, so a while back, uh, a gentleman by the name of Nick Sutton got a hold of mm-hmm. us and was talking to us about how he and his podcast partner, Matt Jacobson, have a podcast called Learning Through Leading. Yep. Should have said that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're based out of um, Illinois. Um, right. Nick is in the Chicago area, and Matt is western Illinois towards the Iowa border. And they wanted to talk to us that we'd be interested in a doing a collaboration podcast where Mm -hmm. we basically put one together and we publish it to each other's feeds. That way we can grow audiences on both sides, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well then in that conversation, we decided that, well, let's, let's have a quick meeting and and talk about this a little bit before we record anything, jump to anything. And let's see if, you know, we kind of mesh a little bit and we realized right away that we did. I mean, it was a really great conversation and we're, we're not going to reveal too much just yet, but there were some other things that came out of that conversation that's going to result in some more collaboration with these gentlemen down the road a little bit. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Not to reveal too, too much, but yeah, it's just kind of a teaser maybe. So to speak. I mean, a, a chance for um, listeners of this show to get to know these guys, they do some amazing stuff. Um, their podcast is great. You should check it out. They have great stories. And, and, and I think that's the thing we always love is when we meet people, have people on the show, we'd love to hear about what their passion is. And these guys definitely, um, yeah, I was surprised. Like I had no idea about like their background in education. And I think, I think that is, um, that's, that's a, that's a huge part of what you're going to hear. Um, when you listen, um, also kind of 
we talk about, you know, some current stuff going on. That's kind of why this is a, a special episode. We're kind of releasing this out of sequence from our normal episodes, but um, because I think it's super relevant right now. Absolutely. And um, we will be getting back to standard episodes uh, yes. very soon. So we got some great guests come up on our future ones after this one. We've got Bobby Dodd. We've got yes. Brianne Fennell. We've got a great one with Evan Whitehead coming oh, yeah. up. And then we got some other guests that are lined up too. Um, and we got a really great back to school one that's planned yeah. out. We haven't recorded yet, but it's planned out at this point. So we will be getting back to those regular ones and you'll be getting those beers and the beer knowledge uh, yep. <laughs> tossed your way again soon. But um, for right now though, uh, Ben and I just, A, want to thank you for listening and yes. uh, we're going to turn it over to our conversation that we had with Nick and Matt uh, from the learning through leading podcast. And yeah. we hope that you enjoy it. Yeah. Listen up. And it's a great conversation. So I'm excited, you know, because I uh, have a chance to really interact with a whole bunch of different educators. I know Matt Jacobson real well, but Kyle, Ben, I, and I'm excited to get to know you guys better. So, I mean, in no particular order, Kyle, can you kind of give all the learning through leading podcast listeners out there? What's your background? What are you all about? Oh, so here I am. My name's Kyle Anderson. I am going into my 16th year in education. I taught social studies for most of that. And then I've done some short stints as a technology coach. I was an administrator for a short time, realized that just wasn't the right time to be an administrator in my life. So then I left administration, went back to the classroom and taught PE for a year before I got into special education. That was an interesting story because when a couple of years ago, my wife got into grad school in Reno, Nevada. We were living in Las Vegas for the previous 13 years. And when we moved to Reno, I needed to get a job and they didn't have anything available except for special education. So I basically told them, I go, if you hire me as a special ed teacher, I'll do whatever it takes to get into the classroom. I just, I need a job at this point. So, and what I found out was after getting a third master's degree in special ed, essentially, uh, I think I found what I really truly like. I mean, I love social studies and uh, I love being a tech coach, but I, special ed is really where it's at for me now. I really truly enjoy that. So, and then my wife graduated from grad school a few months ago. And we actually moved back to Las Vegas. So I'm going to be starting at a new school here pretty soon as a special ed teacher. And it's going to be pretty crazy because I mean, I I've met my principal before. I know two people that work there, but I know nobody else. And we're not going to be face to face. We're going to be in virtual. So first semester is going to be really interesting where I don't know a single kid in that school. I know two people really in the school. So it's going to be interesting to say the least. So, but uh, on top of that, I'm a blogger. I write at AndersonEdTech.net. I do uh, education blog there. I'm on Twitter at AndersonEdTech, same with Instagram. And then I am actually an author too. I wrote a book published a few months ago called To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking, published through EduMatch Publishing. Book about my life, different risks I've taken, the good and bad that's come with it, hoping to inspire people to become risk-takers themselves. That's, that's great. And I could relate to a lot of that. And I'm excited that we've made this connection. Uh, ben, I'd love to learn about you. What, what, what are you all about? So yeah, this will be, so Ben Dixon, um, this will be my 23rd year uh, in education. Um, I actually 
started my career uh, when my kids, I had two really small children, went and started working in my school district as a, as a custodian. Uh, while I went to school, thought I was going to be a high school English and history teacher. And then I met a principal, actually the principal of the school I was working at, he kind of was like, so like, what do you, what's your plan? And I'm like, okay, I want to teach high school English and I want to coach, you know, cross country baseball or something. And he's like, oh, okay, let me explain how this works. He says, you want to teach elementary because kids want to see you every day and you want to coach high school because kids want to see you at that point. Um, so I was like, hey, yeah, I'm going to totally switch what I'm doing. And, and, and also, you know, in my district, there were not a ton of English teacher jobs. Um, so went back got an elementary degree, uh, started my first year teaching kindergarten. Um, and I've taught, I've taught K through sixth in my district at multiple schools, um, team taught for two years with my wife, which was super fun. And then, you know, after two years, she said, okay, that was fun. Now it's time for you to go. That, that could be a podcast episode in itself. <laughs> Keep going, please. That's like the oh, next yeah. serial oh, no. episode. My, right? wife, my, wife is a, my wife is an amazing, amazing woman who is an area superintendent in our district. She, she knows her stuff. Um, 32, it'll be 33 years this year. Um, so wow. I kept me Congrats. on the straight and narrow. So, nice. so anyways, yeah, became taught and then I had a great principal that I'd followed to multiple schools and he kind of said you know he goes you should look at leadership and, and I had gotten a, a curriculum master's degree because I thought okay you know that's my jam teaching kids uh, reading I love that I became um, in my district I became an instructional coach which um, at that point I wasn't tied to one school I actually supported um, like probably 10 elementary schools and a couple of middle schools and then a couple of high schools. I did that for a couple of years and then ended up uh, working as an instructional coach in another school just full time. And then I decided for whatever reason, my wife was a principal at that point. I'm like, I think I want to be a principal. So went back, got my master's degree in administration, you know, worked as a dean of students uh, for a couple of years, then became an, uh, an AP. And now I'm currently the principal at uh, Westergaard Elementary here in Reno. We're a K-5 elementary and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I mean I, I'm also on Twitter at the Dixon and be an Instagram. Um, you know I'm not as prolific of a blogger as Kyle. Um, <laughs> um, I did I think I updated my blog about a year ago so that's a pretty good. Um, I kind of focus like a lot of my stuff now is is really for my school you know making YouTube videos for my staff sure. and for my kids and that's that's kind of it that's like that's what I'm doing and I mean yeah that's me but I also like so we're talking about like what we Kyle and I do let's let's hear about you Matt and Nick because this is kind of a joint project where we're going to talk about um, you guys as well so Matt tell us a little about you okay I'll go um uh my name is Matt Jacobson you can find me at Yoda Matt 68 on Twitter um, although I'm not as, as prolific on that as I, as I used to be, um, but um, uh, let's see, I too, I am a, uh, uh, an old social studies teacher. Um, I spent, my, my shtick is, uh, I spent 13 years teaching uh, American history to seventh graders. I used to have hair. Um, the... Uh, uh, so I taught for uh, eight years in uh, uh, southeastern Illinois. Um, I went on to do a, um, 
a stint for about three years, a grant funded uh, project with the University of Illinois and a group called the Association of Illinois Middle Schools. I was a, uh, an educational specialist. Um, and uh, I, I did the whole uh, run around the state and help coach um, traditional junior highs to change to more progressive middle school practices and teaming and advisory and, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, let's see, got married, went back to the classroom, uh, started a stint in a uh, nearby school district in Western Illinois, um, which is um, not far from where I am now, um, as a professional uh, learning and technology uh, coordinator. Um, and it, it, I was really that tech coach without having the name tech coach. Um, I had 11 schools in the district at one time and 400 teachers and I was that guy. Um, you know, can you help me with my printer? Oh, by the way, I'm doing this thing with kids. Can you help me do that too? Um, and, you know, with, with, I had a master's degree in, in elementary education. My bachelor's is in um, geography uh, education. My master's is in L-Ed. And um, here I am starting to work with computers and training teachers. Um, and that was um, kind of a trial by fire. We took that uh, school district uh, to a one-to-one -one computing scenario. About that time I met uh, this other, well, about that time I got divorced and then I met this guy, Nick Sutton. Um, not that the two are related in any way, but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, um, we, uh, uh, Nick and I were looking for ways to um, help promote um, uh, professional learning because in Western Illinois, where, where we were at the time, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity to um, learn about really progressive stuff. We had to go up to Chicago three hours away or, or a couple hours to Springfield or St. Louis in order to get PD. And so Nick and I just said, well, hey, we can do this stuff locally. We started a little, um, a little, uh, some local uh, ventures there. And um, uh, this past year, I started my, uh, a new job as a, an online learning specialist for the Learning Technology Center of Illinois. We're kind of, you know, we're kind of a, uh, oh yeah, that division of the State Board of Education, we're sort of chartered by them. Um, and uh, so now I create um, online professional learning courses for um, all the educators in Illinois and uh, anyone who wants them. And uh, yeah, this last five months has been a roller coaster whirlwind ride. So it's been a lot of fun. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I live in Western Illinois um, and uh, uh, take care of uh, the family farm up north, uh, uh, about half an hour up north of here. So on weekends, I'm Farmer Matt and 
during the week, I stare at cameras and screens like we all do. How awesome, about you, man. Nick? Um, you know, I, uh, I've got kind of a, the, the basic story where it's just like, I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I, I originally thought I wanted to be an elementary self-contained person, but I, I taught middle school and I didn't really care about what content area. I just liked that age range. So I've got a special connection to all the middle school people out there. I taught, I taught, I taught for five years and I was really fortunate that I had some wonderful leaders give me some opportunities and, and, and empower me. And I became a middle school building principal. Uh, I was 28. And that in itself was a unique experience. Um, I thought I, I, th I, I, was, I was motivated and excited as, as anyone, but it was really a learning experience to, to be in charge of a building um, that early in my career. And so I was a middle school principal at a couple of different settings. Um, and then three years ago, I became a district superintendent of a unit district. And it was during that time that I, I really committed myself to, to wanting to be the best instructional leader I could. I, I, always, I always enjoyed the curriculum and instruction part of education. I love planning and being involved with professional development. I, I live for networking. So social media and Twitter has always been my friend. Um, right now I'm starting a new superintendent position at a K-8 district near Chicago. And so um, even though I've got those West Central rural ties when, when Matt and I's paths crossed, I find myself at a, at a setting about 20 miles outside of the, the city of Chicago and, and I love it. Um, I could say all those things that you guys say, you know, it's, you, 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 you kind of travel through that experience and you kind of start to learn what, what you're all about and what you're most excited about. And then you try above all else to, to find that magical balance between what works professionally and what works personally, because that's when you're at your best. And so I, I'm excited. I, I love my new position and I love my family and I'm having a lot of fun. On. Yeah, I mean that that kind of leads into like my question is is for all of for all of us here is just to think about like as we move through this this unprecedented time with COVID and and thinking about that impact on education. I mean, like what how have your core values you know been solidified or or have they changed as we've navigated this 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 kind of I guess I would call it an, a, a total reshaping of how we're delivering education to kids. I mean, has it, has it changed for you? I mean, I think Matt, I would love to hear your perspective on that coming from like, you're in it, man, you are in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I think like every educator, um, whether, whether we'd like to think of ourselves as an introvert or an extrovert, we're all people, people right? We, we like being around people. We like interacting with people. Um, whether it's, it's, you know, in a classroom, um, uh, at, as a coach after school or before school, um, in a gym, what, or, or, you know, whatever. I think the, that that was my favorite part of professional learning was getting to like Nick getting to 
go out and meet people in a professional context, learn about them personally, but then interact where those two spheres of the Venn diagram sort of sort of intersect. Um, and and I, I see that as being really the, the big shift away from um, that in-person interaction to uh, more of a virtual interaction. We're not going to be seeing a lot of, you know, let's go to this next big conference, but, you know, hey, I need a professional day to stay home or, or go to the conference room down the hall and participate in this Zoom conference for two days remotely. Um, and, and that's going to be, that's a sea change. That is a huge um, uh, shift in the way we think about um, uh, education and learning. Learning is a social event, um, no matter how you slice it. Um, even if it's one person interacting with one tutor or teacher, that's a social event. And that changes dramatically. Um, but I'm not going to place a, a, a good or a bad on that. It is simply different. And different is, is difficult a lot of times to adapt to. Lord knows I, I, I can attest to that. Um, and it, I think anybody in education can say, yeah, there's been a lot of change. Um, and there will keep being change. Um, this is different from how any of us were ever really trained to teach unless you're just fresh out of, you know, the, the, the college classroom this year, you probably didn't have a lot of background in how to do this. So I see the role of professional learning catapulted to the forefront, but in a manner that is completely foreign to most of us in education. I think, I think that's well said. And if anything, you inadvertently touched upon how I would have answered this question, Ben, in that I, I feel like witnessing this since last spring, I've seen leadership truly be defined by action and not by title. And what I mean by that is I have seen individuals that may not have leadership titles rise to the occasion and do their best to ensure that learning still happens, maybe not only in their own classroom, but actively works towards supporting other educators and sometimes administrators in this weird new reality that we find ourselves in. And so I, I really feel like this is going to redefine instructional leader because I see varying levels of acceptance, but learning is now going to be more self-paced than perhaps it ever would have been in our lifetimes. And technology is now truly ubiquitous. It, it is going to be at a self-paced mastery level more than it's ever been. And based upon that, I think, I think the traits to truly impact and lead 
a school or a district have changed. And I think based upon whether or not somebody kind of has this inherent expertise is, is why I see the, the role of a leader kind of has changed in the last six months. Well, and to build on that too, instruction itself, when it comes to the standards is going to shift exponentially as well, because when this all, all went down a few months ago, it became, we need to provide an education, but we're not going to have our kids for as much time. We're not going to be able to touch on things nearly as much as we would before. So teachers really had to sit down and look at their standards and start to realize truly what was the most important thing that they had to address in order to address those standards. And I think we're going to see more of that now as well, because again, a lot of schools are going to start out virtually right now. So it's going to be a lot of the same thing where we just, we really need to focus on what's the most important instead of trying to fill in with fluff and whatnot. And not that standards were important before, but I think the standards are going to be really the forefront of planning at this point now. So, but even bigger than that, I think is the importance of the social and emotional piece where so many of our kids, I mean, just from being cooped up or having family members that were sick or the loss of income, the, the emotional aspect of a student's life was really deeply affected by this. It's still being deeply affected by this. So, and I think a lot of teachers really started to realize just the importance of addressing those things too. So I think we're going to see a monumental shift in education, not just on those standards, but again, on that social and emotional piece as well. So, um, and I, I know Ben, you asked this question because you have some thoughts too. So I'd love to hear yeah. what you have yeah. to say about it. Well, and I, I agree with all of you. I think, I think you're going to see, you're going to see professional development have to shift. Um, I think what's, at least for me, I think about, I think about like, and we've all done the work of providing PD to staff or providing PD to teachers where you're providing, maybe I'm providing uh, some professional development on, on reading strategies. I assume that my, my group that I'm speaking with, they have a basis for understanding, you know, I teach reading, I know all these things. We're in a whole new world where, and I'm gonna speak for myself when I talk with my staff about like blended learning and things like that, like what is this going to look like? It is a whole new world. That, that as we deliver PD, we're gonna have some people who, who, who have some skill sets and some who are coming in totally new. And so I think that, that piece will be, look a lot different for providing that professional development. And, and to Kyle, to your point, I mean, I, it's funny that you said, you know, looking at standards and, and, and coming from my curriculum background and we talk about planning, you know, what is the essential outcome that I want students to know? I've talked with teachers and, and we got to hit let's, what's the most important thing a kindergartner needs to know when they leave your room. Because if you think it's these 40 things, we don't have time to cover all those 40 things. What is the most essential thing? And then it's going to have to be, we talk a lot about vertical planning in schools. It's going to have to be a lot of that vertical planning with those, those teachers above and below. And I think see it in high school too. Like how can we connect your, your English teachers with your social studies teachers to kind of, like dive deeper into those things. Um, so I think that is part of it. But like, and the other thing is, is that the SEL piece, um, I think that's going to be huge. I also think that um, building culture is going to have to, it, to me, that's the number one thing. So how are we going to build culture in this format? Um, so, so being creative about that. Um, we, Kyle, you and I talked with someone recently about how this format actually for some kids 
helps them build a stronger connection with their teachers because they get that one-on-one. -on -one. They get to show you their room. They get to see, oh, look, my teacher had a dog that got in the middle of the Zoom meeting. And so that piece, I think for some kids, is gonna be huge. It's just, it's, it's just gonna look different. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I think I go back to our core values about, about education, and, and I'll speak for myself, that every child deserves a super a high quality education that I, I truly believe education is the way to move forward, regardless of should you choose college, should you choose a trade, what, whatever that is, you've got to have options. And, if, and an education provides you with those options. So yeah, I think, I think this is, and I've told my staff this, and I truly believe this, we are at, a, we are at the point now where we've talked a lot of talk about how 21st century learning skills and all these things. But what I saw a lot in education across the country was things that look the same they did a hundred years ago. Well, that's over. You know, that, that's, that's, that's the, what was digging in the back of my mind while, while I was listening to you talk was, you know, I, I'm guilty of this as much as any other teacher, you know, my kids always did that create a continent project at the beginning of the year. And the science teacher always did the leaf collection in seventh grade and the bug collection in ninth grade, mm -hmm. you know, because that's how we were trained to help kids show that they had mastered a skill or, or a knowledge standard or what have you. And, and now that those old tried and true yellowed uh, paper and pencil lesson plans and projects, um, not that there's anything wrong with paper and pencil when you need to use it, but the, the old stuff that we've always done because we've always done it that way, right. it just isn't going to fly. Yeah. There's um, no more going in the file cabinet and pulling out the, the, the September file folder. Right. That's gone. Right. And you know, when you talk about social emotional learning, that's going to be really foreign to a lot of, uh, of educators who are in that silo of content area. Um, you know, that, that's, that's something you just, you send them to the counselor for, or you send them to the, to the Dean of students for, right. Um, but the, you know, now kids are at home. If it was hard to, grab their attention when they were in your classroom, it's impossible or, or could be impossible now if you try to replicate your classroom on a Zoom or a Google Hangout call. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I've been reading about is that a lot of kids, especially at high school, you know, they thought they had this whole how to do school figured out and now we're switching this all up on them and doing school remotely is a brand new game and they weren't prepared to be the high-flying student that they were in the classroom on their own when they have all this stuff this other stuff at home whether it's distractions was there whether it's it's parents and, and siblings and, like you said, the dog running into the call and, and everything like that. Some of, some of our best students that we thought of in the past are actually really struggling 
emotionally and mentally with the stress of this change. And, you know, it's, somebody's got to help them figure out how to do that. It's not just a, you know, toss them in the, the, the pond and see if they swim kind of a thing. A lot of kids need direct instruction to, um, to understand, here's how I do school in this new way. Um, are you guys seeing the same thing in, in out west? Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that really kind of goes along with everything you were saying is about the, the importance of, in order, if you're going to have to, what, regardless of how you're going to provide that instruction, whether it's direct, it's asynchronous, whatever it is, the, the myriad of all the things that you mentioned, Matt, is it's the positive cultures and relationships that got to be built. And it's so tough sometimes Thank when you. you're face to face, let alone in a virtual setting. So, I mean, just, I, I would love to hear some ideas from you guys a little bit more about what, what kind of ideas that you have to try to address those things. I mean, I have some of my own ideas I'm willing to share, but I'd love to hear some of your ideas as well. I think, I think I'm seeing two, two, two areas that I, that I'm seeing success with and, and, and maybe these have some merit because it's kind of hard to do any sort of action research and kind of base anything objectively when we're in the strange new world. And so my first thought is I'm seeing teachers or educators or administrators that have some sort of social media presence, have an easier time establishing mm. rapport with both students and families. And it doesn't mean that you have to totally let somebody into your life. But when you, you take away that layer and say, here's a selfie of me and my kid. Mm -hmm. All that does is it brings a certain level of sincerity of I'm a human being too. And the, the other thing is that I've seen that that, 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 that seems to be a variable that kind of helps with this strange new world is to a certain extent, really just working towards that learning has to be outside of a 7am to 3pm type day. And so when you build environments or, or formal plans that takes into account that a kid might just sleep until 11 a.m. And I'm not real sure of what consequence we're supposed to do to really address that, that a parent may just have to work second shift and it's just not happening, that we have to really rethink how we put ourselves out there and I think the more that we take away barriers that we self-inflict, that we decide there has to be, the more of a global impact that we have that, that learning still takes place. Yeah. And it's about I, grace. It's about grace. Yeah. It's about having grace and understanding that, you know, you can create a, a, a somewhat homogeneous environment in your classroom. You don't have that now. And we as educators have to adapt to the, the vast heterogeneity of, of, of mm -hmm. all, you know, 30 to 150 different home lives where these kids are, where we're going to be asking kids um, to perform as, as uh, you know, academic beings. Um, I, I, I've been telling teachers, you know what? 
um, uh, your first, you know, think about your first. Your, your first few weeks of school are, are really not going to be fill out the note card and let's find our way to the cafeteria and stuff like that. It's let's make sure we all understand. Here's how we find our assignments. Here's how we turn in our assignments. Here's how we um, troubleshoot the uh, Zoom meeting if for some reason we can't get on. You know, those are, it's, it's a new kind of routine during those first few weeks. Um, if we are fortunate enough, excuse me, if we are fortunate enough to have um, in-person time with our kids uh, in Illinois, that's still to be decided. Um, you know, that's, that's where I say you start your year. That's your first unit. Um, you, you have fire drills and disaster drills. Guess what? We're going to need to be ready for uh, a remote learning situation in much the same way. We practice at school so we can transfer the skills when we need them. Um, and then during, um, uh, on, on a smaller level, um, how do you start that day? You don't really start the day anymore with turn in your homework, sit down, be quiet. It's how are you doing today? Did you, especially for younger kids, did you get breakfast? Did you sleep okay last night? You know, really asking those in those morning meetings, not, not so much how are we doing as, as learners, but how are we doing as, as little human beings? And, and you know, that, that social media meme, you've got a Maslow before you can bloom. That has never been more relevant than during remote learning. I think I think that's exactly it. It's the it's the it's. I would like to hope that we've we've put a lot of for the last however long public education in the United States we put a lot of emphasis on testing on test scores and 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 I'm as guilty of that as anybody and and you know how are we going to do on the state test those kind of things but now it's like you know what how are we going to do mentally mentally. How is everybody doing, you know, those basic human needs? And now more than ever, I think it is a forefront, exactly what you're talking about, Matt. And I think sometimes, and I'll just speak globally in education, it's very easy to, they come to your school and you go, well, I have you in my school setting. I can control this situation. That We've lost that. Now you're at home. And it's like your basic needs, if your basic needs are not being met and you're at home on a computer in a Zoom meeting, you're not going to participate. It's not like you're sitting in front of me. And so we have to address mental health needs with children. We have to address basic, you know, food scarcity, those kind of things. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about it in education and I've seen amazing things, schools doing this work. But again, I go back to like, like for the rest, for everybody, that's got to be your number one. And that, that's what I'm telling teachers too. It's like, let's make sure we take care of kids' basic needs. Um, I had some teachers today in a, in a meeting uh, planning for kids to come back to school. We know we're going to have to social distance. Kids are going to have to wear masks. And we're talking about first graders and kindergartners. And, and one of my teachers said, well, well, how are we going to do, um, we're not calling it recess. We're calling it structured breaks. And they're like, well, how many can we do? And I said, as many as you need. I'm not gonna, I am not gonna go, you were just outside 40 minutes ago, because you know what, you've got a bunch of kindergartners that are wearing a mask. I don't care if you like 
go 20 minutes, go 30 minutes, and then take them outside because that's going to be the thing we have to worry about. That I firmly believe that it, the, the the learning environments and, and Nick, you talked about this, like like how that's going to change. It it's I guess I'm an optimist. Kids are going to learn from all these experiences. I mean, I think about project-based learning. This is it. This is this is project-based learning, man. Come up with mm-hmm. come up with a way to solve the problem. Here's your timeline. Turn it in by here. Let's go. So, and I, I, you know, I um, Ben, if I can, if I can jump in yeah. uh, in front of Kyle here for a second. Um, while we're talking about the social emotional learning needs of our kids we also have to recognize that this is yes. going to be very different for our educators. 100%. And we have to not only look out for our, our colleagues, uh, and, and that's very important that, that our colleagues, um, you know, we draw them in to conversations mm-hmm. um, and support them as much as possible, but also provide them direct training and instruction in how to, how to take care of these, how to, how to set boundaries. I had a half hour conversation with, with a group of teachers about simply setting boundaries. Turn off the notifications on your cell phone at night so you can get a good night's sleep. Yeah, your kids are gonna turn in homework at 2 a.m. That doesn't mean you have to grade it then. Turn it off. But, but yeah, exactly. we, we have to, our educators need to take care of themselves too, so. Um, Kyle, what about from a uh, from the perspective of someone who works with students with special needs? Anything in particular you would add to this conversation? Well, a long time ago, when I was you know, a younger teacher, you know, maybe five years in or so, I was one of those teach bell to bell kind of teachers where you're going to walk in, the bell's going to ring, and you need to be doing this as soon as that bell rings, and we are going to go all the way to the end, and my expectation was that that's how it was going to be, and that's just not realistic. You know, I finally, I got over that over the years uh, to where now building in breaks, especially in a block schedule. I've, I've been teaching a block schedule for, I think, 12 years at this point, and you know, when you have classes for an hour and a half to expect to go an hour and a half straight like that with no sort of breaks or whatever, that's just unrealistic. So it's even more important now in this virtual environment, if you're going to be virtual. So Ben, you already kind of touched on it where if you're going to be in the hybrid or the face-to-face situation where building those breaks, getting kids outside, especially little kids, get them outside, whatever, it's going to be important to do that just to get people moving around and not sitting in stagnant air all the time. But in the virtual, if you are expecting students to jump onto a zoom and sit and listen to you yammer for an hour, you are sorely mistaken. So it's just not going to happen. So now do you want your students to show up and participate in that hour? Absolutely you do. But this addresses the whole idea that, you're not going to have them for an entire hour straight, but also addresses the social and emotional part of it. Build time into that to where kids can actually interact as kids, where they can talk with one another. They haven't, some kids probably haven't seen another kid their age in months now, depending on their situation where they're at. So I know my two kids, they've seen a handful of their friends here and there, but they haven't had a whole lot of interaction with kids. So just by getting the kids on the screen and letting them talk for, out of that hour 
take 20 minutes out of that hour. Maybe not the whole, maybe not 20 minutes right at the beginning or right at the end. Build time in there just to like ask them about something silly or whatever and just let the kids talk about it to break that thing up and really just allow them to be kids as much as they can in a virtual environment. So I know that I teach high schoolers, so might look a little bit differently, but some of the funnest uh, class meetings I had during the virtual over this past few months were those ones where we got completely off topic and talked about nonsense. It was an absolute blast. We get, then we diverted back to what we needed to do. And guess what? The world did not implode. So kids still did their assignments. They still learned something. So teachers just build that into your lessons to allow kids to be kids. Don't you think to a certain extent that even when everything was what we thought was normal, it was sometimes hard enough to convince kids that we were human beings, that we were people. Mm -hmm. And I think now that we are in this world where everything's virtual, that, that challenge has perpetuated itself that I think if left self, if left not addressed, it, there are going to be kids this coming school year that may not meet their teachers in person for months or maybe the entire school year. And so if there's not actively and purposefully measures put in place for you to be like, I'm a person, here's who I am, here's what I'm all about, it, it's, it's very hard for kids to want to follow that person's lead if they don't see them as a sincere, genuine human being that has something to offer them, that wants to improve them as a human being. And I think the only way that you get others to, 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 to buy in that you want to see them improve is that they see you as a person. And Nick, that speaks to your comment about like your teachers that, that seem to be more adapt or, or maybe maybe more comfortable with this situation are the ones that are, are, are maybe more comfortable with social media because they're able to take that risk. And, and you know, anytime you put something out on Twitter, Instagram, you're, you're putting it out there. And, and so I think for some of our teachers, that vulnerability, um, when you were in a classroom nine to three, you didn't have to worry about it. Like I, I know teachers like, like, um, I never shop in the grocery store that the, that my school's in or whatever. Like, like I literally live uh, a quarter mile from my school. I see my kids all the time in the grocery store. And yes, they do know Mr. Dixon does buy beer. Let's just be honest. I mean, I don't, it doesn't bother me, but um, I do think it's kind of cool because then the kids see me and they're like, oh, there's my, there's my principal at the grocery store. So I think you're right. I think we gotta, we gotta make ourselves, um, I'm not saying accessible, you know, like Matt said, you know, yeah, you're not, you're not answering emails at 10 o'clock at night, but I think it's going to be so huge to let, um, to let kids know we're human too. And sometimes we're having a really bad day and this is super stressful and it's okay to say that. So what advice do we have for other educators that are getting ready for school, regardless what that's going to look like? I know I'm going to be in a full virtual environment. Ben, as of this recording, you're talking hybrid, but potentially a virtual environment. So, I mean, some schools, depending where they're at, might be face-to-face. -face. So we've got a whole bunch of different situations. And there's a lot of people out there that just have questions about, where do I go from here? So what are you guys' thoughts? What do you think? What, what advice do you got for people going back? The thing I keep hearing is, when do you think things will go back to normal? And that's when I, based upon how well I know this person, want to... Um, I want to virtually hug them and say, it's not, it's not. 
think about how many jobs and professions have shifted alone from working in office to work from home. When the opportunity does arise eventually that things could go back to what we thought was normal, it won't. We are now preparing students for a world that has shifted. And as such, we have to focus on what we control. We don't control the situation we find ourselves in. We don't control uh, necessarily to a certain extent the students and, and the parents that we're here to serve and work with. We only control ourselves. And so we have to not try to put ourselves in this mindset that we are waiting until everything goes back to normal and what we thought was traditional. It, it's not gonna happen. And so I cannot think of a better or more accurate way of saying the sense of urgency to change is here. And so I think it's just kind of have that realization that we, we have to change how we've been doing things. And, it, and, and by acknowledging that, it doesn't mean that we are doing things wrong, but we have to now. That, that, that would be the biggest and most continual conversation that I know that I'm having. I'd be interested what you folks think. Kyle, um, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think that's, that's exactly it. I think, I think that we, I think there is, there is a desire for things to get back to normal, whatever, whatever that was for people, because that's safe. And I think this, that's, it's very scary for, for everyone involved. I mean, just, just across this country, but I think you're exactly right. The, the, the different, it's going to look different. There is, there is no possible way that should there, let's say perfect scenario, there's a vaccine, things happen, everybody can go out again, you can go to restaurants and everything like that. I agree with you. I don't think the, the way that we do work in the private sector is going to change. And then, so now our kids are going to have to be able to have those skills. And I, I go back to like those soft skills that we talk about being so important, they're even more important now. And I, I think, I think we have to make sure that we're addressing those. And I think Matt, you said it earlier, grace. And, and just, I think we, my advice to people would be, be thankful, be, be humble, be, um, understand, you know, now more than ever, people are going through a lot of stuff. Your neighbor in the classroom next door or on the Zoom meeting in the box next to you, they got a lot of stuff going on. And I think, I think we have to really, really look out for each other just as, as human beings. Um, are you okay? Like, like, are you doing okay? Do you, are your basic needs being met? Um, Cause you're right. I think the other stuff, it's going to, this, I think the other stuff, the learning and everything, teachers are amazing. Students are amazing. They will figure this part out. It's just, we got to address those, those emotional needs of, of people and those mental health issues. Matt, how about you? That was, that was pretty much what I was going to say in a nutshell. Um, that, you know, reach, reach out. Um, number one, give yourself permission to breathe. Um, and, and, and don't be afraid to reach out and draw in someone who you think may, might be struggling, bring them in. You know, we, we used to be the ones who would, you know, find the kids sitting by themselves on the playground or in the cafeteria and, and 
we as educators would go over and sit with them and make, make their day a little better, right? We've got to do that for ourselves and our colleagues now too. And that's not to lump something else onto the backs of teachers. That's just going back to what I said earlier. That's just grace. That's just being kind. That's, that's being a good, a, a, a good human is when somebody struggles, reach out and, and, and give them a leg up. Um, and, and, you know, what Nick was saying with, with change, the, the, the process of dealing with change is, is really the process of dealing with any sort of loss. You know, that whole Kubler-Ross stages uh, thing. Everybody deals with change a little bit differently. And if you see somebody stuck in that, that and in one of those stages, whether it's denial, whether it's, it's, it's bargaining, whether it's trying to control everything around you, um, that's, that's when you reach out and say, okay, let's, let's, let's have a little, uh, let's have a beer and chat about this for a little bit. Right. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm always down. You? I'm always down for having a beer and chatting about things. So, <laughs> dilly so dilly. That is that is the mantra of the beer edu podcast. So, <laughs> uh, but on a more serious note, um, I'm gonna <laughs> shamelessly plug for a second my book uh, to the edge success and failures to risk taking. And now is the perfect time, regardless of the situation you're in, to take a risk, try something new. So. Honestly, the, the last few months of the past school year was something nobody ever expected, nobody ever had done before. And I, I've seen this one floating out on social media a bit. That wasn't remote teaching. That was crisis teaching. Right. And during that time, it, it wasn't the time really to try something new. It was more about let's just hold everything down, keep bailing water out of the lifeboat and stay afloat. And then once we get to shore, we'll be better off. Well, we're at the shore now and we have to build this thing back up. And now is a perfect time to really try something new and really put yourself out there for yourself, for your kids, for your community, in your classroom. Again, whatever that's going to look like and really take a risk and try something. So um, I, the way I'm looking at it is just to be lighthearted about it. We, we can't screw it up any more than what it was the last three months with how crazy it was. We really can't. So we can only go up. We can, we can only, only go up at this point. Absolutely. So I've been saying that my entire life as a Detroit Lions fan. We can only go up and it still hasn't done anything. But um, hey, I'm a Cub fan, so I'm right there with Well, you. eventually you eventually got yours. The Lions still are nowhere close. But um, yeah, so just put yourself out there to do something. Try take that risk and try something. And the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work out and you live to see another day in your classroom. Yeah. And I, 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 and I'll share, if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll share this story that I, I showed it to my teachers. Um, it, you can Google it on YouTube and Alan Watts, who is a, a, a Zen Buddhist author. And, and I showed this uh, video to my teachers. We were facing kind of a situation that my teachers were very upset about this outcome. And I said, okay, I'm going to show you this, this story about a Chinese, pro, uh, a Chinese proverb where this, this old farmer and he's, he's got these, um, He's got these beautiful horses, he's training them. And one day he goes out and his, his 
beautiful two horses are gone. And all the neighbors come and they're like, oh, this is so bad. It's so horrible. I can't believe this happened to you. And he goes, maybe. And so the next day he gets up and his horses come back and they bring 10 other horses with them. And everybody comes and they're like, this is amazing. This is the best thing that could have happened to you. And the farmer says, maybe. So the next day, uh, his son is out there trying to ride one of the horses and he falls off and breaks his leg. And the neighbors all come and they're like, oh, this is the worst thing that could happen. I can't believe your son. And the, the farmer goes, maybe. And then the next day, the army comes and they decide to conscript all the soldiers. And they come upon his son who has a broken leg and they say, well, you're not going in the army. So he gets to stay in the uh, everybody comes and they say, this is the greatest thing ever. And the farmer says, maybe. And, and I kind of put that out to my teachers. We don't know what this situation is. It's kind of a maybe. It could be bad and it could be good. It just really depends on our perspective. And I think if we, if we get stuck worrying about um, things that are out of our control, just like you guys talked about, that's, that's not going to get us anywhere. It is kind of a maybe situation. Maybe this is going to be amazing. I truly do believe this is going to transform education, though, for the better. I really think that's pretty well said. Absolutely. So kind of, I, I know you guys kind of do this at the beginning of your episodes, <laughs> but I'm kind of wondering, guys, what, what are you enjoying this evening? Okay, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you asked that because I was going <laughs> to ask that as well. So great minds think alike. So um, I have tonight, I have a beer from Bad Beat Brewing in Henderson, Nevada, about a mile from my house. Um, it is a Hefeweizen called Bluffin' Ain't Weiss. And it's got nice little banana notes and a little bit of clove notes really? to it. Just a pretty standard German Hef style beer and when it's 109 degrees outside like it is today, goes down nice and easy. And I luckily have a couple more of them in the fridge uh, so I can enjoy another one when we're, we're done with our recording here. And uh, yeah, just a, just a really great beer. So I, I don't have the specs on it. We normally do the specs. Um, I can look that up real quick. But yeah, because for, for those that have never listened to the Beer EDU podcast, uh, like you said, Matt, we usually do this at the beginning of the show. Uh, where Ben and I, we always kind of riff, and then we talk about the beers that we're drinking and uh, kind of geek out on the beer because we are both, uh, I would say, beer aficionados uh, would be the, the way like to that. say it. So like this beer. one, again, that Hefeweizen style, it's a 5.1% ABV alcohol by volume. Um, no IBU listed on this one. And like I said, just a nice, easy drinking German style beer. What do you, Nick, what do you have? Because I saw, you know, we're doing this on Zoom, so I saw his beer. You know, I, maybe you guys are going to be a good, good influence on me. I'm excited about our new friendships here. I, I, I just stick to the rum and diet Coke. I, I need to, I need to, I need to be expanded. I, uh, that's a good I, choice though. <laughs> I need help. I need help. Yeah. Now, Nick, do you do the lime with that rum and Coke or do you just go straight up? Usually, usually no. I mean, if I got ice in there, that's a lot of effort for me. So, I mean, it's, I need help. You, you gentlemen, you, you can impact my, my educational skills. You can, you can impact my perspective, but uh, I'm boring. I'm boring. If, I, don't, if, 
I, I'm not sure how boring think, that is. Though. I don't think rum and coke <laughs> is boring. Kyle okay. and I had long conversations about whiskey and stuff, so that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. That's okay. a whole other podcast, actually. So okay. Add a lime to it next time to expand okay. that palate a little bit. <laughs> I, I yeah. thought I was very forward thinking by switching to Coke Zero. So, I mean, you guys, you guys are already hey, broad. You're saving line. the calories that you would have from the regular Coke so you can have more rum down the way. The next step is just take out the rum or take out the the Coke. So, but anyways, (laughs) so Matt, what do you have? Um, uh, Last time I was drinking a lovely beer that's brewed right here in Macomb, Illinois by Forgottonia Brewing. And uh, it was, um, oh, the name escapes me, but it was a heavy, heavy beer. And Mm. I decided, you know, that that is best taken in smaller doses. (laughs) This is... um, this is from Freeport, Illinois. This is uh, Pretzel City Amber, Ooh. and um, it is a an American Ale, five point one ABV, thirty IBU. Um, I I like the I like the maltier ales mm-hmm. um, over the IPAs and whatnot. And mm-hmm. this this is. Um, this is just a really nice, smooth, it's not quite as sweet as like an Amber Bach or something like that mm-hmm. might be. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's awesome straight out of, like you could almost keep, almost keep it in the freezer. Um, but when it's just icy, icy cold, it is just lovely. And it comes in this massive bottle, which I like um in a four pack and it is uh like i said it it is brewed um just a few hours from here in freeport illinois and the more i look into the uh, local breweries in illinois the more i like to explore awesome um how about you ben what do you so so i actually am really boring so so like i have so this is deschutes oregon uh oregon brewery up in bend oregon we've had we've tried many deschutes beers so this one's called wowza and it is it is a low cal hazy pale ale and so it is 100 calories um and it's only four percent abv uh so four percent alcohol by volume and I'm trying to remember what the, the IBUs have to be so low in this. I mean, it's not, it's not an IPA. It is not, Kyle and I used to like to call beers either lawnmower beers or crushable beers. This is a crushable beer and it's only hundred calories. So have I'm trying tried, to be, I'm trying to be a good boy today. <laughs> have you tried the blue moon? They have a new blue yes. moon something light. Yeah. It's not a, it, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. I would say if you're, if you're looking for something, uh, one of my all time favorites is this, this brewery out of San Francisco called Sufferfest and their whole, their whole shtick is, uh, you know, um, endurance athletes, that kind of stuff. It's all gluten-free, low cal, and it's actually really, really good, but interesting, you know, at the end of the day, then I'll go and drink, you know, a, a, uh, a 10% something. <laughs> for right now, this is, this is, this is a good sipping beer. Okay, good. Yeah, normally okay. at this point, we do a segment at the end called Learn About Beer, uh, where we take some aspect of beer culture or beer knowledge, beer history or whatever, and do a quick little lesson on it. So unfortunately, we don't have one of those prepared for this episode uh, because of the format of this recording this time around. But 
for those listening to Ben and I for the first time with the Beer EDU podcast, we encourage you to go back and check out some of our previous episodes and subscribe to us so you can learn a little bit more about beer. So we've had uh, some basics like that, the what is ABV and what is IBU, and then the difference between ale and lager have been some of our topics. Then we get into styles of beer where and the history behind those styles. And um, it's it's something that we always thought would be fun to do as part of the show. But on the selfish side of it, I have a lot of fun researching it, just yeah. learning about it. And then I find myself going down these two-hour rabbit holes between – I usually start with Wikipedia to get the base – and then I go clicking on all these links and find all sorts of fun stuff about uh, these different beers and, and beer culture and whatnot. And it's, it's a lot of fun what Ben and I have been doing now for, uh, we're, we're approaching a hundred episodes here, you know, in the next few months. So I've, I've gone back and I've, I've looked into some of those old and uh, episodes and I learned a lot from you guys. So thank you very much. Thanks. Where would people go to find your, uh, podcast if if they're not on like Apple Podcasts or anything like that because I know they're on there but yeah so we're pretty much everywhere so uh, we host on Anchor so it pushes out to Spotify Google Apple um, just pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts it's out there and then we also have a Twitter account at beer edu pod and then we use the hashtag beer edu pod we're on Instagram beer edu pod and then we have a Facebook page, Beer EDU Podcast, all one word. And then, uh, Ben, we got a website, too. What can people find on that website? Uh, so if you go to our website, which I'm not – which off the top of my head, I can't remember the thing because Kyle just put me on the spot. But if you go there, you can uh, subscribe. You can um, fill out a form if you want to be a guest on our show because we love to talk to different educators about those things. And and we'll share that, that piece um, because this – this is a, this is basically, we took Kyle, we do a podcast, Nick and Matt, you do a podcast. So you guys do learning through leading podcast and we've kind of combined forces. And I think, I think for our Beer EDU podcast listeners, tell us a little bit about like where they can find your guys' um, podcast. Uh, you can find us at www.learningthroughleading.com. And, um, I, I don't know, Nick. I think we may have to add a, a beverage cycle to our podcast uh, oh, format as well. It's, it's, it's not a bad idea. There, there are times, <laughs> especially in this weird new world, that uh, Nick Sutton yeah. needs to take a breath and relax a little bit. Um, so how so would yeah. they find Nick Sutton out there on the Twitters and whatnot? Well, I appreciate that. You know, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, um, at Dr. Nick Sutton. Um, I... I find myself having a lot of people reach out to me through some sort of direct message or ask me questions and I really enjoy it. I really like that networking. I, I like interacting with people. So um, for any of the people that, that, that might indirectly find me because of our new relationship here with Kyle and Ben, um, I encourage you to do so. I, I like this. I like that kind of stuff. And you can find me at Yodamat68 on Twitter. Although I am connected all day long and it, at, in the evenings, I just like to unplug. And uh, so it might be a day or two before I get back to you. But I will, I, I will always work toward inbox zero. Um, it just might take a day or two to get there. Okay. Well said. Well, thanks so much, Kyle, Ben, for uh, taking some time out to chat with us tonight. We yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, thank you absolutely. guys for thank you. Joining, for 
for doing the same thing. You know, I, I'm super excited about this. I think, I think you guys have a lot of great ideas and, and I'm super excited about the stuff you're putting out. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to some, some, maybe some future stuff. We'll tease that a little bit. I was wondering who was going to open the bag. I will say up. that. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say very much, but. Yeah. So yeah, listeners okay. of both shows. Yeah. We, the four of us have something kind of up our sleeves that we're excited about and we'll be letting out some more information about that later. So we're going to keep you on your toes a little bit first. There you go. Nothing up the sleeve. Presto. <laughs> Indeed, All so. right. Well, well we like so to much, close guys. our Thanks, show. We like to close our show out with, and until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. So, you guys, I don't know how you close yours out, but now's your chance. I can do this real short and sweet, Matt. Usually, we say, "What is that one takeaway that you want all those listeners out there to remember?" And and I, Matt, I'll do it real concise. Networking is big. Put yourself out there. Yep. Meet somebody new because in this field. Nobody has it all figured out, and there's somebody else out there that has an answer to a question you haven't even thought of. Yep. And I'm going to say, put your own oxygen mask on first, <laughs> and then help your kids in your college. Nice. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.